Hello and welcome to The Meaning, an interpretation podcast where we cover art, all forms of art, books, music, uh, movies, everything in an attempt to interpret them with a psychoanalytic lens and figure out a greater meaning across all of them. Um, If you're a fan of Joseph Campbell, you'll like this podcast. If you're a fan of Carl Jung, you'll like this podcast and psychology in general, or if you're a fan of art. So this podcast is for everybody. Share with your friends. It's for everyone. So the past two episodes, we went over the themes, motifs, and symbols of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. We talked a little bit about Lewis Carroll, um, how he spent a lot of time with children in an odd way. And we talked about basically what we're going to see in the book of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, which is Carol playing with logic in a way um, that is quite meaningful. So in chapter one, Um, kind of a just quick summary down the rabbit hole so Alice is kind of with her sister she starts to doze off and she sees a rabbit he checks his time says he's late and she follows him down a, a, a rabbit hole that he disappears down she follows for quite a while um and she hits the bottom and starts checking all these doors around her she sees the rabbit kind of vanish around the corner and she checks the doors around her all of them are locked um approaches all the way down to a glass table and here she does this weird thing where she drinks a bottle marked drink me and she shrinks and then down to a size where she could fit through like this very small door but it so happens that she left the key on the table. So she wants to grow again. She sees a cake that says, eat me on the table. Um, And she eats the cake, expecting it to make her grow, but she gets disappointed when nothing happens. So that's a weird first chapter. I don't think, I mean, if you put that in today's market, I feel like, People would be interested, but just like what? Like okay, so we have this young girl. It's 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 very out there. It's very fantastic, and it's and that's that's a quality that a lot of children's stories have. Like Horton hears a who. Um, basically every Dr. Seuss book is just ridiculous, um, but. It makes sense in this, like, very, very emotional way that, like, some more intellectual stories don't necessarily. Another good one is Where the Sidewalk Ends. Let me, I don't know, I remember reading that one as a child and uh, just... It being awesome. Where the wild things are, too. Where the wild things are. I didn't see the new movie that they just came out with, but I heard it was... eh, I heard it was alright. 
Um, so where the sidewalk ends, I think shell see, uh, shell something, where the sidewalk ends, shell Silverstein, I don't know if that's a real name, but it sounds cool, but yeah, that one's good too, and all these children's stories have like that strange, um, I don't know, like mystical quality that's not really explainable, it's kind of ridiculous, and Carol kind of is the father of that. And um, when it was first seen, it took the book. He he edited the book for about a year. And then it took it, uh, I mean, not too long to break out into the market. I think a little under six months. So it's really not bad at all. Some people try for like years to get their book published. Like Tolkien, uh, who wrote Lord of the Rings for 30 years. That sounds like a nightmare. But that's kind of one one thing that carries out through this story that we'll be looking at. So that within that first chapter, we kind of just we, we get a very good sense of that, of this ridiculous shifting logic uh, where Alice and Alice eats, drinks something that says drink me and shrinks. Um so through the peephole she looks into this garden um uh when she's too small and she doesn't have the key and that has been well said to represent her desire to enter the garden and uh kind of this nostalgia with growing up where you look back into the past and you want to go back and um you can't because you don't necessarily have the key. Um, you're too big. And uh, those bodily transformations too have been said to accompany this this idea of leaving childhood that is, so, that is at the core of Alice in Wonderland. So moving on to chapter two, the way we do this is kind of just one section of the chapter, kind of the first half. Um, the analysis of that, and then the second half of the chapter, and then the analysis of that. And so chapter two is called The Pool of Tears. The Pool of Tears. So after finishing the cake that says, eat me, Alice grows to nine feet tall and she finds that she can barely get an eye down to the doorway so she can barely see through the doorway she begins to cry and her massive tears form a sizable pool at her feet because she's so huge the white rabbit reappears and he mutters to himself about keeping a duchess waiting alice attempts to speak to him but he scuttles away leaving behind his gloves and fan Alice picks up the fan and begins fanning herself. She muses on the possibility that she may not be Alice, but someone else entirely. So now she's having like identity issues. To determine if she knows all that Alice is supposed to know, she starts to recite her lessons. So she's doubting herself, seeing if she can remember the lessons that Alice knew. And she finds that she gets the lessons wrong. She recites them wrong and doubts herself even more but she starts to compare herself to one of her friends known uh 
she knows named Mabel. Since Mabel knows very little, she thinks she might be Mabel. And it makes sense to Alice uh, that she could be Mabel because she's confused over her lessons because Mabel knows nothing. Um, Even though, like, she's confused about her identity, she knows that she's got to find a way out of the well anyway and back to the world above ground. That's, That's what she wants to do at this point. So she's really just we're hammering the fact that she's confused at her identity and her size changes that are accompanying it and she starts to doubt that she was even the person that she used to be um she thinks she's stupid because she can't remember her lessons compares herself to the stupid people around her um she's too large to fit into that garden that kind of paradise that was childhood that she's currently leaving and she can't accept I mean part of the reason why she doubts herself her her identity as Alice is that she can't accept the changes that she's experiencing um, and she can't remember her own lessons she thinks she's not Alice anymore it's the comparison that she draws between her and herself and Mabel indicates some like some form of class consciousness or like pyramid, the idea of a, a hierarchy where she's above Mabel, but the fact that these weird things are happening to her now, uh, they couldn't happen to Alice. And Alice couldn't forget her lessons, so she must not be Alice. She must be this lower version, um, which this lower, this lower person on the hierarchy that is that doesn't know their lessons, named Mabel. And <clears throat> she thinks that she has this this sense that she might be going crazy from this like strange nonsense and contradiction that that's happening to her nothing none of this should be happening so next alice realizes that the fanning motion that she's doing with the fan is causing her to shrink and she fans herself down to a size uh where she's able to fit through the door but once again she's forgotten the key so she's been able to go back, go, uh, uh, shrink back to where she could almost see that paradise that was childhood, but both times she was too worried about shrinking down to the size that she forgot the key. And there's this idea that, um, I believe Carl Jung said where to develop in in some area or just as 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 an adult completely you have to subject yourself as a prisoner and what that means not a a literal prisoner obviously but you have to be able to just completely dedicate yourself to something and absolutely adhere to it in order 
to gain a certain amount of freedom. So if you're thinking about it as someone who's trying to start up a business, um, they have their nine to five and they want to break out of their nine to five, but they have to sit down and create the time, whatever it is, four hours a day working on their business and um, use that time effectively. And they cannot miss that day. They have to sacrifice everything for that time. Um, going out with friends on the weekend, literally everything for that time. And eventually, that time will be able, it's an investment, that time will turn into your income time. And so that's time when you're having fun doing something you like, hopefully, is a business you like, and getting paid from it, because you sacrificed that time in the past. And so you're you're using that time now getting paid for it and having more free time because of that um you're you're more free you're more financially free um and i think that's what alice is trying to do here she's trying to to get back into that freedom of childhood but both times she's forgotten the key and she's forgotten the way uh the way to do it which was she's too worried about about like her size her image um so since she's tiny and she was crying when she was large she tumbles into a pool of salt water uh from her own tears and she stumbles upon a mouse whom she asks for help The mouse doesn't understand Alice, so she tries to speak French to him, um, and she recites a line from her French lessons, but, um, and she mentions a cat at some point, and she, that she learned her French lessons from a cat, and at the mention of the cat, the the mouse leaps with fright. Um, Alice apologizes, but then absentmindedly chatters about her cat, Dina. So she's like, I'm sorry, but not really. So the first friend she meets in this strange land, she doesn't recognize as a friend at all, tries, tries to speak to this mouse, a being different from her in French, because she's, she assumes that the mouse speaks French and it's inquiring after a cat so 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 she learned the french from her cat is is what it's saying and cats are predators to mice so what what it's saying is that alice doesn't understand this person and she's trying to talk like how she thinks they would understand but the problem with that is that the way that she learned how they talk is from a cat which is actually predators to a mouse 
Um, and I see this with like my father when he says oriental and he thinks he's being courteous, but actually it's not. Um, so, you know, that that's relatable. The mouse is offended. Um, so she immediately changes the subject to dogs and the talk of dogs only frightens the mouse more. And so he swims away and Alice promises to talk, uh, stop talking about cats and dogs. If the mouse will come back, if it'll just come back. The mouse swims back to Alice, telling her to follow it to shore. Well, he'll tell Alice his history to explain his hatred for cats and dogs. So a history that Alice doesn't understand and he's going to tell it to her so she understands. Now um, she goes ashore and she sees several other animals, a duck, a dodo, which is extinct, a lorry and an eaglet and Alice and the mouse come to shore at the end of the chapter. So that final portion, Alice tries to deal with the predicament um, reasonably fanning herself down, um, and she gets lost in a pool of tears. What, what is a pool of tears? What is, what does it mean to get lost in your, in, in your pool of tears? Well, a pool is something you, you lay in, you relax in, and a pool of your own tears is, is, like you cry when you're sad. So you're laying in a pool of your grief. You're relaxing in a pool of your grief. And that's what Alice is doing. Um, giving in to her own emotions. And so she she gets ashore. And she, she uh, so well, she's talking to the mouse. And she tries to distract herself by addressing the mouse and she's trying to what well, what what a lot of us do we're trying to escape our own pool of tears or our own grief and we're trying to escape relaxing in our own grief by hanging out with other people she's trying to do that but the problem is she's so detached from the mouse that she's talking about everything the mouse is scared of and when when she goes throughout the rest of the journey, she'll continue to see problems in which she reacts with extreme emotion or extreme reason. She goes to extremes of both. Um, and what what this first thing did, what this first... Uh, introduction to Wonderland did for her was distract her um, from the real problems at, at hand and maybe that's what she needed to get out of her pool of grief um, are these distractions and maybe that's the only entrance into Wonderland um, so that is the end of that chapter and that's going to be it for today if you like the podcast, let me know. Um, other than that, this has been The Meaning. Thanks for listening.